0: What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Whole9Draft podcast. I am your host, Josh Berg. Joining me today, again, is my new co-host, Alex Katzen. Um, What's up, y'all? We just watched a pretty dang good Super Bowl, didn't we?
1: Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, I'm a little sad as a Chargers fan that we now have... This is our new reality. The Chiefs are not going to go anywhere for the foreseeable future, it seems yeah, like. Patrick but Mahomes I thought it was a good Super good. Bowl. But
0: with the Super yeah, Bowl turns concluding know what that means?
1: It's draft season, it's baby. Draft season. It's officially
0: draft season. We're going to have a lot of content. I know both of us are going to have a ton of stuff coming oh, yeah. out on whole9sports.com. We're going to have a bunch of stuff on the podcast. It's going to be a whirlwind of the next couple months for us. Um, yes, sir. We've got a really good show for you guys. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl for a couple minutes, give our quick thoughts, and then we're going to go over the poll results of the Position Spotlight Running Back Edition on the Whole9 Draft Podcast Twitter, which you should be following at WN Draft Pod. Over there on Twitter, we're also going to do another scouts report, and then we're doing a seven-round mock draft of the Bengals. Um, We're going to try to do that for all 32 teams, um, starting at pick one, and then we'll do all the teams in the first round, and then we'll do like the Rams and the Bears and the Steelers that don't have uh, first-round picks. But uh, before we get into that, we got to make sure that you guys are giving us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you guys are listening. Give us your feedback down below in the review section. Follow me on Twitter at JoshBerg0611 and follow Alex on Twitter at Alex Katzen. All that information will be uh, down in the little description tab right underneath where you click the podcast episode. So make sure you guys go check that out. As well as go over and follow Whole9Sports on Twitter as well at Whole9Sports and go over to whole and check out all our latest articles. I know Alex had a couple articles posted last week. I'm going to have about two coming out this week as well. So... Go ahead and check out all of our great content over there. Yeah. Di- diving right in here, uh, the position spotlight. So, if you guys are following us on Twitter, you guys saw. Are we, we... going to
1: talk about the Super Bowl at all?
0: Oh, shit, yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I totally forgot. It's in the notes. I just completely yeah. missed it. Um, it's all good. So, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Um, that they did. Patrick Mahomes looked a little bit rough in that first half.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I think. I don't even necessarily think it was anything the Niners were really doing. I think it was just—I don't know if it was nerves or if it was just miscommunication with his receivers or what—but he didn't look like Patrick Mahomes. And then in the second half, we kind of saw him get back to what we know he is as an NFL quarterback at this point.
0: I just think that it's funny that uh, Troy Aikman made the comment saying they're going to need some Mahomes magic. They just threw that forty-yard bomb to Watkins for the touchdown or to get them into the red zone that set up the Damien Williams yeah. touchdown. Um, and then he j- he just turned it on from there. But uh, um, it was a really good showing both from both head coaches. I thought Shanahan once again mismanaged the clock, classic Kyle Shanahan in big moments. But he's for those of you that saying he's not a good head coach, he's a phenomenal head coach. He's forty years old, has already called plays in two Super Bowls. Andy Reid is in his mid sixties and just won his first. So let's calm down on the Kyle Shanahan takes here.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know Andy Reid is famously bad at clock management, but oh, he's gotten sure. better the last couple of years. And so, you know, if you if you're a Niners fan and you're disappointed and you're looking for uh, signs that you can improve going forward, like I think Andy Reid is the first place you got to look. Like Absolutely. those things come with head coaching experience.
0: Absolutely, and for Niners fans, you guys were four and twelve last year, and you just guys were just in the Super Bowl, so i saw i saw a tweet i can't remember who it was but you guys arrived a year ahead of schedule this year um you guys are going to be one of the front-running teams in the nfc for the the foreseeable future uh jimmy garoppolo played a pretty good game uh for the most part one interception wasn't his fault and then the one at the end obviously was just a garbage time interception so it didn't really matter um the run game still looked solid. I thought they should have used Mostert more early on. Um, but Coleman was still pounding the rock. And Debo Samuel is a stud playmaker. So you guys got a lot to look forward to over the next couple years.
1: Yeah, man. Debo Samuel Samuel's going to be a game changer for them. going like, For the foreseeable future, I think. I just I think, think the Debo-
0: way that they used him in so many different ways was... Super yeah, creative getting him out in open space, getting him the football, whether it was, yeah, with uh, touch passes, screens, and arounds. He was just all over the field. And I feel kind of bad because I think he was my wide receiver like five when he was drafted. And I,
1: yeah, I, I don't say I, I loved wrong, but, Fano, but I don't think I had him higher than four. I think I probably yeah. had him either f- three or four. Yeah, I think I five. had
0: Harry Brown and Metcalf was my one, two, three. So, yeah,
1: missed it. Which Brown bit. Marquise Brown or no, AJ? AJ. Brown? Okay.
0: Brown was Brown was Brown was my four, and then um, Debo Her- um, was my five, I think. All right. All right, if I if I remember right, I could be yeah. wrong, but it's whatever. Um, but I thought that Chris Jones actually had a really good game. Um, he I think he batted down like three passes yeah, at the line thought, of scrimmage.
1: Yeah, he he had a really good game, despite the fact that he really wasn't getting that much pressure. I felt like. Oh, I agree. He he found other ways to affect the game, like you said. He. It seemed like every time it was a big spot, he was batting down the pass, like on oh, second yeah, down, for forcing sure. third and long, and making Jimmy Garoppolo uncomfortable.
0: And I thought Rashad Breland actually played pretty well too, and especially with him being an independent free agent. He had uh, the pick, and he had a couple pass breakups and some really good open field tackles. So I thought overall the uh, Chiefs' secondary really stepped up with not a whole lot of playmakers. I know they were missing Juan Thornhill as they had a, they gave up a lot of chunk plays down the middle of the field but i thought their cover corners actually weren't horrible especially for if you look at their roster and you see who it is i mean hey take it it's still your
1: number one need yeah. but yeah absolutely but like for who for who you have on the field like look pretty good
0: yeah and i think i think that uh Kansas City is going to have some building blocks they're going to have some tough contract decisions coming up cuz obviously you got to pay Mahomes and Chris Jones is a free agent and then you're coming into the season next year with two corners on your roster right uh, Warden Fenton, so right. gotta address the secondary a little bit, but I think uh, I think that Kansas, Kansas City just needs to enjoy this moment. I know uh, Evan is going nuts at his house right now. I've got a couple friends that sure. uh, sent me videos of them freaking out, so us living in Missouri, it's kind of crazy right now, so me being the one lone non-Chiefs fan in the entire state of Missouri, it's it's a little bit sad, but it is what it is.
1: The Vikings will get there yeah, at some point. that's rough, but you know, I mean, I think that I feel a little bit better than you do probably right now considering that the Chargers have only been once and lost once. Yeah. Um, I feel like if you go more often but you always lose, that's more crushing.
0: Oh, it's bad. But we haven't been in a couple yeah. like decades, so hey. Maybe Kirk will get it done next year. Yeah. But that's enough about the Super Bowl. We'll you guys can probably go check over the Homeland Sports podcast for more. I'm sure Brandon and Dylan will do an in-depth Super Bowl review or the draft podcast. We're all-in on the draft, but now the draft order is officially set. Niners at 31, Chiefs at 32. And one of the deeper position groups in the draft is running back, at least for, I think, both Alex and I can agree here. And we posted a poll on Twitter, getting back to what I was saying earlier before, I totally forgot about the game that we just watched. Um, We posted a poll on Twitter, the position spotlight running back edition, and this will happen probably about once a week, where we'll just post a position group and we'll pick four guys that we both have really closely ranked in our rankings. We just want you guys to vote on who we think is, who you guys think is the better prospect. Um, The running backs this week were Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt, Darius Anderson out of TCU, Josh Kelly out of UCLA and Jamichael Hasty out of Baylor. And Alex, Keyshawn Vaughn really kind of ran away with the votes on this one.
1: Yeah. You know, um, I don't, that's not how I personally feel about but, you know, that's how people voted, and, like, I can see why, you know. Um, I think that he's a good player that kind of gets overshadowed by the fact that he played for a very bad Vanderbilt team. Yeah. Um, I have some questions about his production as a receiver. I know it kind of spiked this year, but still not really, like, at the level where, like, it's a guy where you're going to put him on the field for third downs in the NFL immediately. So that kind of, like, limits his value for me. But, you know, I think he's a solid overall player. I think I have him probably, like, a late day two, early day three grade right now. I think yeah. he's just outside the top 100 for me. Um, good player, you know.
0: Yeah, my main my main concern with him, like like you touched on, was his receiving ability. I think um, I saw a stat, like, his, his single season for receiving is 16 receptions um that was heading into this year and obviously spiked yeah. um this year but I, I think you hit the nail right on the head I think he's just a good player he's going to be someone that people are going to question uh, if he's going to be able to transition to a three down back in the NFL he's my 91st ranked player right now so he's just inside the top 100 there I think he's my RB7 um he's just someone that I think is going to be I think he's going to be more of a early day three pick than a late day two pick just because I think some teams are going to prioritize some of the receiving backs ahead of him um yeah that'll be taken on day two but I think I know Evan is in love with him I just think he's a solid well-rounded player he's just he doesn't do a lot of things that are super special he just does a lot of things that are really solid
1: right and I think you look at a lot of teams that um maybe already have a receiving back in place like my chargers come to mind with Melvin Gordon as a free agent Austin Eckler is a restricted free agent, so technically he could leave, but we basically have right of first refusal, right. so it's most likely he's going to come back. And I think Keyshawn Vaughn is a guy that you might have on the radar as a team like that, where like you want someone to absorb the touches on first and second down, and then kind of bring in in Austin Eckler or a Justin Jackson on third down, Absolutely. and have them be the receiving back or have them you know pass protect. Um, so, yeah. In that sense, like he's more of more of a power runner, not really like an elusive guy, not gonna make guys miss in space. Um, but, like you know, good player. Yeah, um,
0: he's a, he's a solid player. He's not overly fast. I think he's got slightly yeah. above average speed. He's got a, a good first step. He can put his foot in the ground and really go. But he's yeah. not someone again. That's not gonna burn you in the open field. If he if he gets in the open field, he's just a, he's just a well rounded, hard edge, hard nosed runner that I think will be, like like you said, is a guy that's going to be a guy that's going to get you 15 to 20 touches a game on first and second down, and it'll be, unless he refines his receiving game, will be on the bench for most of these third and mediums that we that we see um, running yeah. backs get involved in the receiving game.
1: Yeah, kind of reminds me of like a Latavius Murray type of guy. Yeah. Almost. yeah,
0: I don't think that's necessarily bad. There's roles for Latavius Murray. He's had good years with the Saints and the Vikings yeah. and the Raiders, Latavius so he's just Murray's a solid a rotational running back.
1: Yeah probably not going to be anything more than that, you know. Like right. we've seen Latavius Murray get starts and not necessarily produce to the level that maybe people were expecting, but you know, he's a good rotational back. He's a good second back to have.
0: Absolutely. Someone that we're both really high on is Darius Anderson, and I think this is Brandon's fault cuz he kind of just threw Darius Anderson on us saying he's going to be a stud, and uh, we all started slowly dissecting him and he's he's a really smooth running back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so working with the big, working in the Big Twelve with Brandon this season. You know, we watch a lot of TCU. Which, by the way, um, I don't mean to brag here, but I am going forward going to be the lead Big Twelve analyst for oh, yeah, absolutely. Sports, I didn't so. even
0: I didn't even mention that big big yeah. huge step up for a guy Alex here. Yeah.
1: Um, in addition to uh, becoming an editor, so that's pretty cool, also excited for both of those roles and i'll still be around co-host of the whole nine draft podcast yeah there's been a lot of moving parts for me lately it's a it's an exciting time anyway darius anderson <laughs> um kind of the exact opposite of Keyshawn Vaughn
0: is the exact opposite of Keyshawn Vaughn.
1: Um, he's very fast and he will make you miss in space absolutely um not necessarily a guy that's going to get, like, goal line carries, short yardage carries. Not really a power back. TCU had along Alonolua to do that. Um, Yo, I, I don't think like... necessarily Anderson's going to have a role to do that at the next level. But I think you look at a team like the Titans, if they bring Derrick Henry back, where they need just kind of, like, an Perfect extra example. element at the running back position with Dion Lewis not really panning out. Yeah. Um, we're just like having that change of pace guy, having a guy that can catch out of the backfield and make people miss. He was destroying people on some routes during Senior yeah. Bowl week.
0: Yeah, he he had I think he had the best uh, Senior Bowl week out of any of the running back. Him and Josh Kelly, I think, were the two like by far standouts at the running back position. Who all really yeah, performed well down there in Mobile. Um, but yeah, the Tennessee Titans were the exact team that I was going to bring up. A team looking to get a guy late day 2 early day 3 again. All these guys are going to be around that range on draft day. It'll just depend on what teams will prioritize and what they really need. Um right. Anderson's not going to not a guy that has a ton of power and I noticed as he got more touches, his production went less um I don't want to say it was worse cuz he got more touches, he got more yards and stuff, but he was less efficient. Right. But I think yeah. you you can kind of expect that when you get less touches, your yards per carry and all that stuff is going to go down a little bit. Yeah. Um, but he's well, a... and
1: two, you're talking about like you're talking about a TCU team where quarterback it wasn't really, was really a threat bad. for them on offense. It was really bad, you know. So, and especially because once you got Max Duggan in there, Max Duggan is basically just Tim Tebow. Brandon <laughs> and much. I have talked about this at length. He might
0: even be a poor so man's Tim Tebow.
1: <clears throat> yeah, so he's not really a threat to throw the ball necessarily. And so I think once you got later on into the season. Yes, Darius Anderson was getting more touches, but he's also facing more stacked boxes as teams kind of come down and they commit to defending the option play and commit right. to defending Max Duggan as a runner or Anderson as a runner, you know, and just trusting that they can kind of put a corner one on one outside against Jalen Rager and nothing bad's going to happen because Max Duggan Duggan won't be able to get him the ball anyway. Um, and so I think that can that's sort of like maybe why that trend emerges there for him. But I think at the next level, I think again he's going to be kind of a second back. Um, yeah,
0: I think I think he but could do. I think he's what James White is kind of doing in New England. Yeah, which I th- I'm not saying it's necessarily my pro comp, but I think the style is very similar. H- heavy receiving back will still get you some touches in the run game, but will be a big time threat in as part as part of the leading in the receiving.
1: Yeah, and again with the Titans, right? Like uh, absolutely, I think it's Mark Rabel fit there. with the with the Patriots connection there. You know, so. We know that, you know, maybe they want to add another running back to that stable, like the Patriots love to do. So, uh, a name to watch if you're the Titans, for sure.
0: I just realized we picked four guys that were all at the Senior Bowl, but, oh
1: well, it is what it is. Yeah, well, I mean, they're all very close. in the They really were, and the
0: guy that and, we we mentioned here, oh, do you have something else to say on uh, Anderson?
1: I was just going to say, like, we didn't want to pick, like, you know, like, there's there's a there's another debate at this position you know of like who's rb1 and it's like right. we didn't really want to do that it's been covered a lot you know and it's like we we like to bring you some of the deeper cut guys you and know I think like that's that's
0: what this whole series is going to be about is bringing you guys that are going to be like in that mid-range of the like tier two tier three guys that are really close together we kind of want to highlight yeah. those guys a little bit because everyone's heard about swift and dobbins and right on these top tier names at certain positions but we really want to bring you guys that we think are gems that you can find in, in the draft in the later rounds because that's where a lot of teams are really built. Obviously, you guys, you have your right. first-round picks. you got to have those pan out. But a lot of teams' depth guys are really late-round guys. You can see it with San Francisco especially.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at like a guy like Dre Greenlaw, fifth-round pick last Stud. year. Stud. Starting in the Super Bowl. Fred Warner, you know, day two pick, starting in the Super Bowl. You know, guys like that. So, like... These, you know, day two and three may not be like the the marquee days for people to watch the draft and like people to be excited about it, but like
0: that's where that's where about.
1: NFL teams make their money.
0: Absolutely. Moving on to the guy that had the uh, third most votes, he had sixteen percent with Josh Kelly. And I expected him to actually be a little bit higher than this. He ha- he had yeah. an incredible um, senior week, senior bowl week. And I know Dylan fell in love with him. Says he's the nicest guy ever. Um, yeah. He's a really tough runner.
1: Yeah, man. Um, you know, I think he just plays with a lot of toughness in general, both as a runner, but also we saw during Senior Bowl week that he's a monster in pass protection, at least compared to oh, the yeah. other guys that were there. I think I think it was Dylan that was saying, like, Josh Kelly is more than four times better as a pass protector yeah. than anyone any other running back that was there for Senior Bowl week. Oh, and I so, think
0: it has to do with his just, like you said, his just tough play style. He, I mean, he's 5'11", 214, so he's a... A little bit of a heavier back, which he, he has a lot of strength in that regard.
1: Yeah, and like that frame does kind of limit him as far as speed. You know, yeah, I he, think that I he's think his not I think second really, year's a little bit slower. Yeah, no one's no one's ever gonna mistake him for a speed back down the field. But you know, again, kind of in that Keyshawn Vaughn kind of tier of like guy yeah. that's gonna be a second back as a power back. Um. Make you know make some plays for you on in on inside runs and just like be an effective player just like not really like any one skill that stands out but just like someone who's good at football.
0: I think, and maybe it was just me that saw this, but watching a lot of the UCLA guys before the Senior Bowl and then going back and watching them after the Matthews Senior Bowl, I really appreciated their film a lot more because when I watched Kelly before we went to Mobile, I ex- didn't expect a whole lot but then again, they played for UCLA, and that's kind of like the similar thing with Darnay Holmes. Where his, yeah. his film wasn't anything like super special, but then you see him in Mobile really stand out and be the best person in his position group. Then you go back and watch him. You really start to appreciate the little things that they do well, and Kelly's pass protection was definitely one of the things that stood out both in Mobile and on tape. Yeah,
1: yeah I think you kind of touched on this, but I think with Darnay Holmes and with Josh Kelly at least to a – degree also you could see on this year's film that players kind of started to give up on this ucla team you know once they kind of realized this team was bad and i mean you could definitely see it with darnay holmes like Like i I said said. i think you can probably see it to a degree with josh kelly maybe not as much but you can definitely see like they're not giving 100 percent out there necessarily all the time but then, like you said, you go back and you watch these guys and, like, you can see the traits. And if you go back to the 2018 tape, you can see, like, Darnay Holmes is shutting people down yeah, and Josh absolutely. Kelly's running through tackles. And, like, you know, the ceiling is they there. look like different players. Yeah,
0: I uh, I completely agree. I think Kelly's going to be an interesting draft eval because coming into Mobile, at least from road I had read, he'd been, like, outside the top 10, top 12 for running backs. Um, yeah. Guys like Anthony McFarland, A.J. Dillon. Um, we're ahead of him. I think he pushed himself into the top ten, um, especially after Mobile. I think he's my yeah. running back nine right now. So he's yeah.
1: I was gonna say I think I have him fringe top ten right now. Yeah. So but he's, he definitely helped himself. He, I think he was a guy that was looking at like a
0: late day three pick before Mobile. Absolutely, and I, like like we've mentioned before, the Senior Bowl really only helps players. You don't necessarily get hurt by your poor play, but Josh Kelly is a prime example of someone that really helped himself being in Mobile with Jim Nagy.
1: Yeah.
0: Moving on from a player who was on a really bad team to a player that was on a really good team. And uh, it's, that's Jamichael Hasty, who, a name that not a lot of people heard of, he only got 4% of the votes, which I was absolutely shocked that he only got 4% yeah. of the votes. And I think that's one vote out of the however many yeah, voters we had that we have. Yeah, 25% so
1: is one person. And you said it might
0: have been you. I think it might have been me. I don't remember who I voted for, (laughs) um, but it it absolutely might have been me, which is weird because hes I think he's my running back seven or eight, so I think I had Anderson Mm -hmm. ahead of him. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe I just felt bad that no one else would vote for him. But he's a (laughs) shifty, agile back. Yeah. Super small.
1: Five, eight. Again, big 12 guy, so uh, (laughs) watched a lot of him this year. He's a guy that I think didn't get talked about a lot because he didn't really necessarily put up stats. Yeah, Baylor used three running backs this year: him and two juniors, uh, John Lovett and Tristan Ebner, and they all kind of played similar roles. And so there wasn't really like a drop off necessarily between any of the three of them. And I was one of those. I was one of the people that was pretty hard on Jermichael Hasty during like my weekly stock up, stock down series where I was just like this guy needs to separate from these two guys if he wants to get drafted. And so, he was one of the ones where I was a little bit more surprised that he got invited to the senior bowl than, you know, than a couple other running backs that I thought were eligible. Yeah. But you know, he impressed me in Mobile and I think that he's someone where again, kind of like Darius Anderson, you put him in a situation where the team already has a power back in place and you're kind of like, "Okay, just catch passes." return kicks you know be really fast and you know I think he'll do well in that role I haven't
0: watched a ton of him but they Baylor used him in the slot a little bit didn't they
1: I believe so yeah they they had some alignments where they would motion him out of the backfield and into the slot and just use him as a pure receiver which is interesting um I don't know if you can get away with doing that in the NFL just because like Michael five 5'8 I
0: was five he's 5'8 I don't think they'll be able to do that but I think that yeah you, you can see the receiving upside there whether it's um Screens or check downs, I think they he can be utilized. I think if he were to be utilized similarly, similarly to kind of like what you're saying, like the Austin Eckler role, where he's kind of just a, a receiving back, yeah. I think he could really flourish there.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think you look at, like you said, like an Austin Eckler role, or again, like kind of like a Deion Lewis before yeah, he kind of fell off when he went, to, went Tennessee. to Tennessee. Um, you know, guys like that, where it's like you don't necessarily expect them to take like 10, 15, 20 carries a game. But you're getting them involved in the offense. You're throwing them a, the ball. You know there are some games where you target them like seven or eight times in the receiving game. I think that that's a role that you could definitely see him in. And I think too he's going to make an instant impact on special teams as a returner. I know in Mobile we saw him get a lot of work as both a kick and a punt returner. So that's a, that's somewhere where I think he'll excel in the NFL also. And you know we see a lot of smaller guys do well in those roles. So.
0: Oh well, yeah, and I think that like I said, he's he's another guy that's in this bunch. I think he's gonna. I think he's the one guy that I think if I had to place my money on the one guy that wouldn't go day two, I think it would be him out of the group that we mentioned. I think he's more probably like a fifth rounder, right? More than he would be, you know, a third fourth rounder. But yeah. again, I think that you, a lot of these running backs, especially when you get towards this middle second third tier guys, they're going to be skill set specific. You're going to draft them to use them for a specific purpose. You're not going to draft Hasty to be your guy that's going to have 20-25 carries, you're going to be using him to get your receiving your receiving back to balance out your power attack versus your receiving attack. While um, Vaughn, you're going to use as your first and second down back, and you're going to use your receiving back in on those third downs. So I think it really R- depends on team need as far as what type of system they want, want to run, how many backs they want to... Because I think the transition to running back by committee is really starting to really take over the... Uh, the league now, you see the Niners used three backs. The Patriots used two, three backs. The Chiefs used two, three backs a lot of times this year. So a lot of these successful teams really were using these committee roles. I think that you're going to see a lot of these teams draft um, skill set specific based on what kind of look they're, they need on that committee.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think I wouldn't be surprised to see any of these guys available once day three kicks off. Oh, absolutely. But um, these next two guys that we're about to talk about, I think both of us would be very surprised if either one of them is available on day three. So we're going to transition into the scouts report now. And we both, this week we, for this episode rather, we both pick guys that have kind of been rising up draft boards, not necessarily because of the senior bowl, um, just kind of people where they declared or they, you know, are in this draft and people didn't really get around to their film until recently. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh yeah, this guy's a top 50, top 75 pick. So, uh, Josh, you want to go first?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I picked Troy die this week. I had a bunch of safeties I wanted to choose from, but we talked of a course. lot about safeties last week and I didn't want We only to talked about me. safeties last week. So I decided to go in a different direction here with Troy die, uh, the linebacker out of Oregon. This guy is freakishly athletic. Like you watch his tape and the very first thing that, jumps out to you is how athletic and rangy he is he's a super downhill um linebacker that can diagnose the run and pass very well the one thing i am concerned about with him is he's not overly strong he's 6'4 225 but his play strength for a linebacker is kind of weak and i think his instincts are just a tad bit too slow he's kind of like the opposite of kenneth murray and kenneth murray super (laughs) super instinctive Troy Dye is not—he's a tad right. bit slow. He he knows where the play is going, but he almost reacts a second, half second, a second too late. Um, but I think he also—he's probably one of the better coverage linebackers in this draft. Yeah. He and he was a really—he can possess really high special teams upside. I think he's—I think he's seventy-five on my board. I think he's my linebacker four, linebacker five. He is one, two, three. He's my linebacker five. Um, and if Murray and Queen, who weren't guys that I really like, dove into until recently, if they right. weren't so, he was coming into like the twenty twenty draft season, like before the college season started. He was my top three running back or linebacker. Jesus Christ, it's late. Um, top three running back. Top Troy three running back. Troy. T- Dye, maybe Travis died. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, In a couple years here. I think he's going to be someone that is going to be used in a lot of different ways because of his coverage ability and just his reactive athleticism.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I have Troy Dye as my linebacker 4 – I'm also – you know, that's counting Isaiah Simmons as a, Simmons yeah, I, as a I, linebacker. Yeah, I did too. So, Simmons and then Kenneth three and then Patrick Queen and then Troy Dye. Yeah, I have um, he's number 60 that. overall on my board. Um, I think he's a guy where you – Look at him and you don't necessarily – he doesn't necessarily pop off the screen on his college tape. But he's someone where – I know Brandon has been saying this for, like, the whole season, basically. He's someone where he just projects well to the NFL. Absolutely. Um, Like you kind of touched on, like, the coverage skills, the range, um, everything about him just, like, seems like he'll be able to succeed in really kind of, like, any linebacker role at the next level. You know, like, if you want to put him – Outside in a four three scheme, I think he can do that. Um, I don't know if he should, but he I think he can. Yeah. Um, or in a three four as a as one of the two middle linebackers, or in a four three as the middle linebacker, I think that's where I'd play him. I would
0: say I would play um, him more in the middle just because watching his his ability to kind of shift himself and the rest of the defense on tape, he was able he was a very really good yeah. communicator and reading what the offense was going to do. Um, So I think you have him right there in the middle, kind of be your play caller in the middle. I think that that'd be a perfect role for him.
1: Yeah, I think I think he can step in and be kind of the quarterback of the defense, um, if that's a term you want to use. A lot of Um, people. I think you look at a team like, you know, maybe a team like the Panthers, where you know, obviously obviously Luke Keekly retiring, they kind of need a new guy that's going to call plays. Can Shaq Thompson do that? You know, I have. Some questions about whether or not you know he can kind of fit into that role, but I think if you get if you're the Panthers and you get like Troy Die in like the second or maybe even the early third, that he's a guy that could step in and play that role immediately. Absolutely,
0: I think like I said, I just maybe I'm my uh, actually, Die actually came to my attention because I've got a buddy who's an Oregon fan and I watched his film. And again, like you said, it's not something. Oh my, hate s- him. Yeah, right. He's not someone that <clears throat> super. Like jumps off the screen, but you just see the athleticism is there and the IQ right. is there that he's just going to project so well into the NFL and be an, almost an immediate plug and play. Um, yeah, definitely. Once he kind of gets gets down the speed of the NFL game and playbook and yeah. all that stuff.
1: Yeah, I think he's someone where you look at him and you say he's gonna whiteboard very well at the combine. Absolutely, you know, which is coming up. Um, and. Can't wait that should, you know, drive him up boards and he might play right away and he might get burned a couple times and people will be like, "Oh, he's a bust. He sucks. He's a bum." Not you true. Know? And it's just and it's just like you said, he's going to have to get up to speed with the NFL game and right. you know, his like you touched on, his reaction speed is already a little bit slow on film in college and so that's something that's going to be like a point of emphasis for him I think in the NFL, just like getting up to speed with how the game looks. Making sure that like you're in the right place, and putting yourself in position to make plays, and I think he's a guy where like his second or third year maybe like he pops off.
0: I I, I completely agree. He's just someone that I think is just super intriguing, just because he's he's a tr- you're banking on the traits here with him and right. being able to develop him. Um, you chose Noah Igbenogany. I don't even know if I said that last name right, but I, gave I believe my best that shot. I, I believe that's right. Igbenogany. Igbenogany. Corner um, out of Auburn. Uh,
1: yeah. I don't really so, know much about him, to be honest, so enlighten oh, me. Perfect. Um, So he's someone, again, like we just talked about banking on traits. That's absolutely what a team is going to be doing with no egg Igbenogany. Yeah. Um, Came to Auburn as a receiver, so hasn't been playing corner that long. I think he's only been playing corner for two years. But if you know of Anthony Schwartz on the Auburn team, the wide receiver who's also on Auburn's track team when he's trying to run in the Olympics. Noah Benogany was kind of Anthony Schwartz before Anthony Schwartz. Um, he's He comes from a family of track stars, first of all. So, like, he was recruited to run track and play receiver and, you know, eventually moved, moved over to corner. And so he is... I think he's one of the more athletic corners in this class, obviously. Um, 5'11", 200 is what he's listed at. So, you know, pretty good size for the position. Um, Yeah. A little bit of a thicker frame for a corner, I think, than we've seen from a couple of these guys, which I like. Um, Has the speed to stay with guys down the field. You know, just an athletic freak. Obviously, he's going to have some issues with his technique that I think you need to fix. But as a guy, like, on day two, maybe, you know, sorry, in the second round, maybe in the third, depending on how this corner class shakes out and, you know, how everyone looks at the combine and everything, um, could be a guy that is going a little bit higher than, you know, some of the names that you've come to know over the course of this pre-draft process.
0: Yeah, like I guess like I said, the one thing I did know about him is he's a like super raw, but athletic freak i uh we we recently submitted our big boards um and i think i had him as like corner like 12 but i've seen him as high as like late round one in some mock drafts um like i said the 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 way how deep this corner is the corner class is because i I absolutely love this cornerback class um he's someone that i think because like you touched on because of the traits that he has and the potential he has, he could go a lot higher than some of these other names like um, like a Bryce Hall or a Damon Arnett yeah, because they're more technical corners while they just might be, <clears throat> for guys looking at Igbenogany, they just might be drafting him based on pure athleticism because you saw what the uh, Kansas City Chiefs were able to do on offense. Big, fast receivers that can get downfield. Yeah. And Igbenogany would do exactly that he'd be able to keep up foot for foot with some of these track star athletes that are playing the receiver position in today's NFL.
1: Yeah. um, You know, could, could afford to add some physicality to his game. You know, I talked about his frame is kind of an ideal size for a corner, but he doesn't really use it that well. I think a lot of times I think he relies, you know, obviously, like I said, he's only been playing the position for two years. And so he's kind of relying on athleticism to keep him like in the spot. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so, like, his technique isn't really there to be in a position to make plays on the ball yet, necessarily. He only had one interception uh, as a corner at Auburn, but he had 19 pass breakups. So, like, he's in the area. He's just, like, not necessarily in a spot where he can, you know, make an actual play on the ball and, like, take the interception back. Um, but, yeah, someone who I think adds a lot of value just, like, as a traits-based guy. Um, also some upside as a kicker turner obviously as a track athlete like he's gonna add value as a return guy he had a touchdown both years that he was a starter as a returner at auburn Interesting. Um, someone who i think like i think like the cowboys maybe could be a good fit um you know where we're not really sure if they're gonna be able if they are gonna afford to be able to re-sign byron jones on the outside there um, and kind of have at least a little bit of time, you know, if they lock up Dak Prescott and they have Zeke Elliott on that contract and they have right. Marcus Lawrence on that contract kind of have a little bit of a time to afford him some development. And, you know, maybe you sign a free agent guy to a short-term deal to, you know, play in front of him for a couple of years. But that's a team where I think, you know, I, I like the fit there. Um, you could also look at someone like if the Vikings don't go corner round one, I think that they, at least, you know, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I think that their tendency has kind of been to draft like just these athletic guys, and Mike Zimmer's like, ah, oh, I can teach them technique. It's yeah, fine. That's, that's that's
0: exactly it. A lot of the guys that, <laughs> I mean, you look at Mackenzie Alexander when the and Mike Hughes, they're both 5'10", 5'11", guys that are just freakish athletic guys. They're they both were uh, slot guys in uh, in college that they've kind of transit yeah. that Zimmer's kind of taught that I mean Mackenzie Alexander was our best outside corner this year and he was our third fourth guy in the depth chart so is that Zimmer? a high bar what was that I said is that a high bar <laughs> no um but <laughs> I'm gonna take what I can get here um with, yeah as a Viking fan that Xavier Rhodes made the Pro Bowl still can't believe that yeah um, man. Pro but yeah Bowl I think that he's an, yeah I think that he's an intriguing guy over here um I, mean, I wouldn't like I said, I haven't want he's up there on my to watch list since you picked him for the episode. And I moved him, up. I think it's like fourth or fifth on my to yeah. watch list. Um, I have yeah, I still have to go back
1: week. and review it all too. But
0: I think budget. he's someone that if the Vikings, for whatever reason, don't go corner round one. Well, what if Neville
1: Gallimore's there?
0: I would, well, it depends on if what corner's there. I would rather have Jeff Gladney. That's fair. I would rather have Gladney and CJ Henderson over Gallimore. I think I have Henderson yeah. 22, Gladney 24, and Gallimore 25 on my big board. Sure. Um, I could see but that. We'll see what happens with Limbaugh, Volgio If I don't want to make this a Minnesota Vikings episode, we can do that some other time because why not? Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. I
1: mean, actually. they're what, like 25?
0: Pick 25.
1: Yeah, so only like, you know, a few more weeks. We'll get there in For the sure. seven-round sure. mock series.
0: But speaking of that mock series, look at that transition. We're getting really wow. good at this. We're going to go uh, to the number one overall pick, and that's the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, who <clears throat> were not very good this year obviously, for yeah, being the number one overall pick. That's
1: um, usually how you get the number one overall so pick.
0: So we started this series. Um, we're just going to do seven-round mocks for the NFL teams. So how Alex and I did this, we jumped on a draft simulator, and we each did a seven-round mock. Um, and then we put them side by side, and we basically just picked which picks we thought were better value and better fits for the team. Now, interestingly enough, we picked the same seven positions, just in different spots for the Bengals. Yep. <laughs> so it was just more about value.
1: Yeah. And That's I do like- want to say just before we get into it, um, for this series going forward, we're gonna reuse some of these guys. Obviously Absolutely. we're gonna like try to be aware of like not talk like trying not to talk about the same guy for like twenty different teams, but we are gonna reuse some of them, so like, don't be, don't be mad at us when we get to like pick twelve, and we're, we're talking about some dude that we already had on today's right. episode.
0: And it's, we don't control who gets picked with the other teams. We're just controlling our teams. Like, there's a, a yeah. couple players on here where they're taken a lot lower than I think we would have them yeah, on definitely. our boards. But it's just kind of how the simulator went. We're looking for value, looking for the best way to build this team. <clears throat> And we both picked Joe Burrow number one um, for Cincinnati. I think that's kind of the the duh, right?
1: Yeah. Um. I mean, I don't really think there's a lot to say about it. You know, no. the guy just had the best season in college football of all time. Uh, yeah, the Bengals need a quarterback.
0: It's it's kind of a done Pretty deal. easy. They're at uh, number one unless someone offers them like 17 first round picks. And even if I was Cincinnati, but what about probably, Justin Herbert? <laughs> oh my God, those rumors just need to stop it. I I have seen a lot more it. that Herbert hate, might go to I hate Miami it. though, so. Hey, maybe you should be praying a little bit.
1: You know, we'll see.
0: But, yeah, there's not much to talk about Burrow. He's pretty much as complete of a prospect as you can get at the quarterback position. Um, And Cincinnati, him and Zach Taylor are just going to be great, great friends for the next decade.
1: Yeah. um, So then, talking about—so then their next pick, right, is the first pick of the second round, pick number 33— um, and we decided we're gonna reunite Joe Burrow with one of his favorite targets from this season, and we went with Justin Jefferson, just made the most uh, wide sense. receiver at LSU. Um, I was actually Jefferson's a he was guy. There. Yeah, I think Jefferson's gonna be one of those guys that we talk about today. Where I don't know if he's gonna last this long in the real thing. Um, I think that because he was still playing when a lot of people were kind of starting to get into their evals of people, you know, like. I was watching wide receiver tape and it was still like three days before the national championship game. And so Justin Jefferson was still out there playing games. I think that's kind of like kept him from rising up boards as much as I think he's going to end up doing because people just plain and simple haven't watched all the tape on him. Um, But a guy who was just insanely productive this year at LSU, obviously with Joe Burrow throwing him the ball. um, And I think you look at the Bengals and AJ Green's future is in question, obviously. And then you have Tyler Boyd, who I like. I really like Tyler Boyd, actually. I but, liked him out of college, too. Yeah. But, like, is he anything more than a number two receiver in the NFL? I don't really know. Um, and then, obviously, you have guys like John Ross, who really fits best as, like, a slot receiver, I feel like. I Just I a guy who's very fast and will stretch the field. Um, and so I think adding Jefferson there kind of gives you a more complete receiving court where Jefferson would kind of be able to step in and essentially – play A.J. Green's role not saying that he's A.J. Green obviously but we'll kind of be able to step in and play that role and then Tyler Boyd can kind of stay in his natural role as a number two John Ross can kind of stay in his natural role as a number three
0: absolutely I think Jefferson the last four games on his of this season really kind of pushed him because he absolutely blew up against Oklahoma obviously um and I think he was a name where we've talked about this a lot, especially I have on the show before about Alex on here. This receiver class is insane. There are going yeah. to be guys that get pushed down the board because of how deep the class is. You're going to see some guys that are around one talent, but teams are going to look at them and be like, well, this class is really deep. Is it really that much of a difference from my wide receiver four to my wide receiver eight? So right. I think Jefferson could become a casualty to that. I think yeah, a definitely natural fit for him is in Philly. Um Maybe just because my friend is an Eagles fan and been hounding me about mocking Justin Jefferson to Philly, but I think I was very happy to find him here at pick thirty-three. Yeah, definitely. So their next pick is the sixty-fifth pick um, in the third round, and we first pick
1: of the third round.
0: We decided to address offensive tackle here with Lucas Niang. Um He is really big 67 330 very big very, very big watching. but he's also surprisingly athletic for yeah. his for yeah. his um for his size i don't see a ton of um like i don't see a strong anchor with him but he is i think he's going to be more of a pass protector um i noticed on his Definitely. own, i watched him a little bit uh this morning but i didn't see a ton of push in the run game but it also could be yeah. his TC was really bad. Um, yeah, I mean you, you're the they Big Twelve were. man. You know you know more about the Big Twelve than I do. But I just think that he's someone that Cincinnati needs help. We t- we were talking about this when we were planning out this episode. Bobby Hart's got to go.
1: Yeah, uh, my so I was the one that made this pick, right? Right. And yep. we kind of put the drafts together, and we were like, oh well, you know, you had an offensive tackle a little bit later on in this draft, yep. and we kind of looked at it and we were like, well, and I told Josh, my reasoning was Bobby Hart sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly. He's sexy. so bad. Um, you know, and they signed him to a contract extension and like, that's fine. But also he's a turnstile and Lucas Niang plays right tackle. Yep. Like he's a natural right tackle. It's not like you're drafting a left tackle and you're moving him over to a right tackle. He plays right tackle. And you know, he's a guy that missed time due to injury this year. i believe it was a knee injury. I can't remember off the top of my head. But only played in, like, I think less than half of TCU's games this year. Um, I think, like you said, he's going to be more of a pass-blocking guy on the right side, which, you know, I'm not too concerned about. I think that, you know, depending on where the Bengals make moves elsewhere, I think that it's not that big of a deal. And I think that, you know, you bring back an offensive line, to start the season where you have Jonah Williams at left tackle who obviously didn't play at all this season because of a shoulder injury right and Lucas Neang at right tackle and all of a sudden like your tackles are set for the next like 10 years probably
0: oh for sure and I think Cincinnati, as long as
1: both of them can stay healthy
0: yeah Cincinnati has had a really bad offensive <laughs> line for a couple years now really
1: and pretty much since Andrew Whitworth left
0: yeah and you know, you look at Williams. I thought was a slam dunk pick. There. I think it was pick nine, and yeah. Yeah, obviously the injury just about. really derailed anything that they were hoping him to be. It. I think he was my clear cut OT one yeah. when he came out, and I mean they tried. They brought in Billy Price, I believe, when they drafted him in round two. Um, mm-hmm. He's hasn't been great, which it's funny because I wanted the Vikings to take Billy Price, so I'm kind of happy they didn't. Um, yeah. In that draft, but they they need to just start if you're gonna take joe burrow at one which they're going to you need to give him some stability both in the pass game and then up front and i because the main killer for young quarterbacks is poor offensive line play it gets them hurt earlier in their career it gets them rattled they're not able to see down the field and really go through progressions which can really just stunt not just their development as far as reading NFL defenses but their confidence going into their rookie year so I think yeah. it's crucial for Cincinnati to get an offensive lineman that can play the tackle spot and they probably need someone that can play the interior which we'll talk about when we get in a couple rounds but yes. he, I think Niang was just a perfect plug and play here at right tackle and whether they kick heart inside the guard or they just kick him to the curb it, it Really will depend. I think Niang's a perfect plug and play fit here.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of guys who I think can be plug and play, uh, fourth assembly. round pick uh, ninety seven, which I think is the first round, first pick of the fourth round. I think you're right, but what, I think
0: well, it won't be ninety seven when the draft <clears throat> happens because comp picks and all this stuff.
1: But. Yeah, because yeah. So obviously, this simulator in particular that we use, comp picks aren't in it yet. Um, you know, we're still waiting to see what the breakdown of those is going to be for this upcoming draft. And so this is just like 32 picks per round. Right. So we're here in the early fourth round and we went with Akeem Davis Gaither, the linebacker from App State. Um, I love Davis Gaither. I think that he's someone that can play immediately. Kind of tweener size, you know, he's a little bit smaller for a linebacker. I think he was only like six foot six one, maybe. Like, I think in, like, the 220-ish range. Yeah, he's, he's officially um, listed as 6'1",
0: 220.
1: Yeah. So, a little bit smaller guy. Um, I wrote in my small school write-up prospects from the Senior Bowl write-up that he kind of reminds me of, like, a dollar store Isaiah Simmons. Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> that's, you know, kind of high praise to put on someone. But I think that Davis Gaither kinda does fit into that role where like he can play like he's a great coverage linebacker and I think you could play him a little bit at safety if you really wanted to. I don't think the Bengals necessarily need a starting safety. Um but I will say that ESPN has Jermaine Pratt listed as the starting <laughs> linebacker in two different spots. And so, so they need I feel, someone. I feel pretty confident in saying that the Bengals should probably add another linebacker. <laughs> for sure. And I think Playing Davis Gaither as like an outside guy in a four-three system, you know whether you want to play him on the strong or weak side doesn't really matter to me that much. I lean towards weak side a little bit just because I think he'd be able to uh, make more plays and coverage from that spot. But a guy, another guy who I think would just be plug and play for this Bengals team, and that's a common theme. I mean, the Bengals were bad.
0: I think we've <laughs> seen a theme here with linebackers in this draft. They're just really rangy guys and Gaither's no yeah, exception. Absolutely. Um, like I said, because he's 6'2", 220, is a little bit smaller for a linebacker, he's just got really good quickness and range, and he's another guy that I think is just gonna excel in coverage, whether it's on running backs or tight ends. And uh Jermaine Pratt can't play two linebacker positions, so they need to have someone. Probably not.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, hey, maybe, maybe, maybe he yeah. can do it. We don't and, maybe he's just godlike and we just
1: haven't seen it yet. And that's true. Um, and I mean, you talk about covering both running backs and tight ends. You look at the the division that they're in, right? Yeah, absolutely. You have James Conner running routes out of the backfield for the Steelers, you know, and even like Jaden Samuels too, like once James Conner is healthy, I think Jaden Samuels kind of gets back into more of a third down back sort of role. But then also you have and then also, right, you have the Browns with Kareem Hunt kind of playing that same role out of the Chubb. backfield and Chubb, you know. Um, but then with the Ravens, like you have such high tight end usage right with Hayden Hurst with Nick Boyle with uh what's the other guy's name Mark Andrews sorry (laughs) um you know just such so much tight end usage where I think Akeem Davis Gaither is a guy where the Bengals can just say hey so whoever we're going to focus on neutralizing like let's just put you on them and it'll be good
0: yeah I just think that uh Gaithers is a solid player. I don't know where his ceiling exactly is going to be come draft day because I think he could be someone that has round two potential, but yeah. I think he's going to be more of where we kind of drafted him late three, early round four. Um, But I th- I think he's just an instant plug-and-play guy, as you mentioned. He's someone that I think is going to test really well at the Combine. Um, oh, definitely. Just because he's just an athletic freak. So I just think Cincinnati's getting just a good ball player here in Gaither. And I know Dylan's a fan of his too, so definitely plug there for Dylan Sanders. Pick uh, in the fifth round, round 129, we went with Ben Bredesen, uh, the interior offensive lineman out of Michigan. I actually had them taking Bredesen in round four of my mock, and Alex had him round five, so we just kind of took the value there and plugged him in at round five. He's not an athlete. He's not no. a big mover, but he just <laughs> technically really sound. He was guard at Michigan, and I, diving into the Michigan tape, their offensive line actually wasn't horrible individually on film. I know oh. Bredesen had a pretty like average senior bowl week, but I came away impressed because he did all the things that I expected him to do. Good anchor. he You can't bull rush him. He's hard to move. He has good jobs of keeping his hands inside. He just is a solid player i'm not sure if he's going to be a plug and play guy but i know as a vikings fan i would love to see ben brydison be drafted here
1: yeah um you know i think another guy where we touched on it in you know when we were talking about the Niang pick where they probably need to add someone on the interior also you know i don't even know um, who's
0: starting at guard for them
1: who is starting at guard for them is it I'm billy gonna, price
0: i'm gonna pull it up i thought price was playing center but i could be wrong i'm pulling it up just keep going i'll uh, figure it out
1: yeah we'll figure it out um You know, but the Bengals' offensive line wasn't good this year. And, you know, part of that was just, like, they weren't expecting to have to play without Jonah Williams, and that kind of sucks for them. But Bredesen's a guy who I think, you know, I think in this spot he might be plug-and-play. And And that's, you know, that's an interesting spot for him. I think in most other spots he's probably a guy that is going to... Someone that, like, maybe you... Draft him if you have, like, a pending free agent or an aging starter at guard. Like, maybe the Ravens with Marshall Yonta there.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, And just kind of have him sit and just learn behind that guy before you have him kind of step in and play. Um, Because, like you said, he's not an athlete. And with uh, interior defensive linemen getting so much more athletic in the last few years in the NFL, I think he might struggle a little bit until he kind of, like, really gets the... NFL technique down, obviously. Actually. Like like you said, he's got good college technique, but you know the NFL is a whole different animal, and we know that. Um, another guy where I'm not necessarily sure that he's going to be there. Like you said, he went round four in your mock. Um but if he's there in round five, I think this him. is a so, great value for the Bengals.
0: Yeah, we both used the same big board when we were drafting um, to keep it yes, kind of same. Because um, if I use mine and Alex use his, our Players are somewhat similar on most of our boards, but we still do have uh, differentiating guys. I'm a little bit higher on Bredesen than others. Um, I think he's inside. I think he's barely inside my top 100 on my big board, but yeah, I think he's just someone that's extremely plug and play. The Bengals' starting guards were Michael Jordan, not the Chicago Bulls Michael Jordan, and John oh, yeah. Miller. So um, yeah, they they didn't even start Billy Price. Um, so they need they need help pretty much. Everywhere on that offensive line except for that left tackle spot um, with Jonah Williams. Because right. Joe Burrow goes to Cincinnati and this is their, they try not the same starting five, just plug and play Jonah Williams. Joe Burrow's going to get roughed up a little bit.
1: Yeah. And I think with the Brunson pick, then you look at that offense and you say, okay, we have Joe Burrow. We have, in this situation, right, we have Joe Burrow. We have Justin Jefferson. We have Tyler Boyd. We have John Ross. Joe Mixon. We have. Jonah Williams and Lucas Niang, and we have Ben Bredesen, Bredesen who solid might poor. start at guard for that team. That's a and we have Joe Mixon. Yep. That's a solid offense. I like that offense. I, I, I want to watch too. that offense. Um and I didn't want to watch the Bengals offense this year, so that's <laughs> an improvement. <laughs> you know, so that's a huge improvement. Um is it me now? We... I
0: I think so. I did better Bredison, right? I can't remember. It's late. Yeah. Alright. We're yeah. recording this like You know, 11 o'clock at We're, we're
1: kind of so. just we're kind of just spitballing. It's Pretty fine. Much. Um moving into round six, uh, the Bengals right now have pick 160. Again, this is going to be a pick where the actual spot's gonna get affected by comp picks. Um We have them taking Kendall Vildor, the corner out of Georgia Southern. Um this was a pick where I think Dylan and Brandon talked about it on the main podcast. We just think it's going to happen. Uh, yeah. you know, watching senior bowl practices, Kendall Vildor was on the Bengals team at se- during senior bowl week, and Bengals defensive coordinator Lou Onarumo was really coaching only Kendall Vildor specifically during drills. Yep. And so we kind of took that as a sign of like, they like what he brings to the table, and they're trying to like get him, up to speed on like what they like from their corners a little bit early. And so I think if he's there in the sixth round, you know, I think the Bengals might take him and I don't know. It's kind of a weird spot because I feel like the Bengals don't really need a corner that bad. I kind of like the corners that they have on the outside, but you know, if they think that like one of those guys might leave in free agency or something, I think that builder is a nice kind of guy that you can kind of groom behind those guys. And then, start if one of them leaves well and he's in Vildor someone that when we watched immobile, mobile he did not
0: look very good those first that first day really not even the the second day he looked better but from the first day to the second day the first day was just really bad that the improvement to the second day wasn't didn't say a whole lot um but like I said like you were touching on the Bengals coaching staff was giving him a lot of attention and you could see the improvement Throughout the rest of the week, yeah, no, and he, he got, had a really good senior he got a game. Lot so, yeah, I just think that this is a fit. It's kind of like Debo Samuel with uh, the Niners. It's just a fit that right where you when you're in Mobile, it, you see the connections, yeah. and he's someone that just fits right here, regardless of need. Um, he's just someone that I think Cincinnati plugs and into their system and kind of slowly starts developing. Because like you said, yeah. they have pretty solid corners. William Jackson the is a pretty good corner there. Um, Darkweiss Denard, is he a free agent? He might be.
1: That honestly might be why. I don't
0: actually know. I can't remember if he was a free agent. I remember when he was drafted. But Fildor, again, he's someone that is going to need a lot of refinement. Um, yeah, I know definitely. he he's a, wants to be a ball hawk, which also, oftentimes hurts him because he Wants to go for the ball and his instincts are just yeah. so early, that it gets him beat so easily. And you, you even saw that in Mobile. He would try to make plays on the ball and just get completely beat over yeah, the top. He's gonna
1: he's gonna struggle against against double moves in the NFL. Oh, for I sure. Think if he has to play early on,
0: but for whatever reason the Bengals just decided they wanted to latch on. To, out of all the corners that were playing well for, in the Mobile, this is the corner that they decided to latch on to. So, hey. Maybe they More know something them. that we don't.
1: Yeah. I mean we'll see.
0: The final pick here is round seven, pick one ninety two, and I just kinda of went best player available here. And it was someone that I actually came away from Mobile really impressed with, and that's Alabama Safety, Jared Maiden. Again, not an incredible need. Um Jesse Bates is pretty good. I really like Jesse Bates. I think I think he's a pretty solid player, if you if you ask yeah. me. Um, but he's someone that just I was shocked. To see at the end of, at the beginning of round seven, excuse me, he's someone that I have a lot higher than others. I just thought I came away. They were really, I mean, like I said, I love the safety class. You guys have heard me talk on and on about it, but he's just someone that I (laughs) felt was really impressive in Mobile from the limited time that I saw him, because I was obviously focused on Duggar and Elliott and all these other safeties. But he's someone that the limited play that I saw, he looked really good. He came in as a corner at Alabama and then was shifted to safety um, and was kind of just a rotational player until this past year when he and Shaheem Carter were the safeties there. Um, He's got really good anticipation and he has really good positioning um, in zone. He's able to communicate really well and put himself in the right spot to make a play and I mentioned this about Jalen Elliott his communication on the back end and directing people where they need to go and like I said maybe I just put this on a priority list more than others, but I love when my safeties can read the quarterback and the offense and direct the rest of the defense to what's happening. And I just, I was really impressed what I saw with maiden in that regard.
1: Yeah. I think Alabama does a really good job with their safeties of kind of having them play multiple roles where I think, um, the one guy that you didn't touch on was Xavier McKinney. Um, who I think can play either safety in the NFL. Um, and then Shaheem Carter obviously was kind of playing a hybrid, like, safety nickel safety role nipping, at Alabama. yeah. Yeah. And I think Maiden is a guy where you can kind of move them all over. And so that's kind of why I like this pick. Um, like you said, it's not necessarily a position of need for them with Jesse Bates there. But I think, like, as a third safety, Maiden is a pretty good option. You know, where a guy that you bring in on nickel packages or even, like, on dime packages where you're bringing in a third safety or even a nickel corner. I think that he's someone that would excel in that sort of role. I don't know if he never, ever necessarily will like become a player that grows out of that role, you know, and becomes a starting safety. But I think as like a guy that you're bringing in on sub packages, which is basically a starter in today's yeah, NFL at this point. You know, so like definitely not like a knock on him at all, but just someone who I think is pretty versatile. Like you kind of said, is good in coverage. I think I liked what I saw from him in run support, you know, from the little that we saw in Mobile. Yep. Another guy where I kind of like have to go back and watch the tape and do the work on him. There's so many Alabama players and this is true every year, every but there's year. so, um, there's Tired so of watching many the Alabama players where it's just like, once you get kind of like to the lower tier guys, you're like, do I really want to watch this guy? Like I've watched right. this game like eight times, you know, but I'll, I'll, I'll grit through it. You know, right. you, I will watch him. It's, it's and I job. do job. Yeah. And like he is on the watch list, I'm going to watch him fairly soon and kind of get a feel for where exactly. Like I would want to play him if he if I had to put him in one role, but I think as that kind of like third safety, like fifth or sixth defensive back out there on the field, I think that's somewhere where he'd look pretty good.
0: Well, it's interesting because you, you touched on it. McKinney was like the main guy in that secondary um, right. at safety. And Shane Carter was a bigger name than Maiden. Maiden kinda gets lost in the shuffle, but I think Maiden's upside and transition to the NFL I think will be a lot smoother than Carter's. Um, yeah. just because I think, I think so Maiden can play, you know, like, you know, the nickel more effectively in zone and he's also more effective in run support. And like I said, I just think he was he was on the board and I'm like, hey, I like this guy. I mean it's round seven. Yeah. Take a fly around a guy, see where you can yeah put him in I mean, one, your system. Once you get so, into
1: round seven you're not really drafting based on need necessarily anyway. No.
0: So, like I said, I just thought it was a really good pick, like I said, I liked him going into or excuse, coming out of mobile and I was listening to a podcast this weekend and the senior bowl, at least for us, when we get watch these guys live, we kinda get fixated on how well they play they performed in mobile. We kind of need to reel it back a little bit. Maiden might be one of those yeah, guys definitely. for me. I might go back and rewatch his film and be like, Alright, I don't like this guy as much as I talked about three weeks ago on the podcast but Right. What, what I saw in person in mobile with him right in front of me, I, I came away impressed enough. We're round seven, I'm taking him there, no questions asked.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of spots where um, we, you know, we turned in preliminary top 300 big boards earlier very this week. Very preliminary. Yeah, very preliminary. And I think there's a lot of spots where recency bias kind of comes into play, right? Where it's like, Absolutely. oh, I saw this guy in person like last week at the senior bowl. He looked good. I'm going to put him at, you know, 60. And then you go back and you watch the tape and you're like, "Why did I put this guy at 60? What am I right. doing?" <laughs> you know, so it's going to be it's going to be a process to kind of go back and you know, make sure that like where you put all these guys after watching them live at the senior bowl is like where you want to have them. And so, you know, and so maybe the round value on some of these guys changes as we get into the series and that's something that's just like part of the pre-draft process you know
0: and now is really now that the draft order is set and the comp picks will come out in the next week or two um this is where the season really gets into high gear because for the most part out of the like 300 guys we ranked preliminary we have a good indication as far as each player's skill set and what they bring to the table right it's just all about stacking them against each other and figuring out who does what a little bit better and putting a ranking and a grade on them um we we kind of have an idea of what every single player that especially that we've talked about can bring to the table what they're good at what they're bad at it's just about okay is this guy a fourth round talent or a sixth round talent is he a first round talent or a second round talent It's kind of just stacking them up against other people in their position group yeah definitely but that pretty much wraps up today's episode um this was a lot shorter than the last one. We tried to do a little bit better job on yeah. uh, time management, <laughs> which I thought we We cut off 40 minutes. Um. So, hey. There I'm you a, go. For episode one, episode two, I will take it. Um, Make sure you guys are following the podcast on Twitter at WNDraftPod. We're going to have another poll over there within the next couple of days. You guys are going to be listening to this on Monday morning, afternoon, night, whatever. That's when it's going to come out. So, look out for the poll probably Tuesday. Um, it's probably when we're going to release the poll. I'm going to let Alex choose this one since I chose the running back one so they're, they're that's your Fire. homework Alex is choose the position of <laughs> four players um follow me Coring on back. Twitter Shay Patterson
1: Shay Josh- Patterson <laughs> Shay Patterson or Shay Patterson
0: Bryce Perkins I'm no I'm, I'm kidding I am kidding <laughs> um make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at joshberg 0611 follow Alex on Twitter at Alex Katzen that's Katzen with a K People misspell it. Again, I said this last week. Just go to my followers list or the DraftPod's followers list and find him. You'll see him right there. He's big shot now being Mr. Editor of the yeah. Whole9sports. So, um, follow Whole9sports uh, on Twitter, at Whole9sports. Go over to whole sportscom and check out all our latest articles, mock drafts, scouting reports, previews, predictions. We have a bunch of stuff over there. You are bound to like something or everything. You have to. You, ha- you have to find something. There's, There's a so bit many of, of them. something for everyone over there. As long as you like football, yeah, it's football, duh, <laughs> and uh, all of it is football related. Is if you don't fo- like
1: football, you might not like it. You, you should still
0: like it anyway, just because Alex sh- and I like. You should, awesome. yeah, awesome. But that's pretty much it um make sure you guys give a five star review leave a comment down below um next week we will have uh whoever picks second the washington redskins the seven round mock, and then a couple other cool segments we haven't quite decided yet but we're hoping to get recording probably wednesday or thursday kind of depending so you guys will see it you know the day after we record or not but we're trying to get two to three episodes out a week (laughs) um that's that's kind of our goal here so yeah, Alex, any... we're trying
1: to get on a more consistent schedule, but with both of our uh, work schedules outside yeah. of the pod. I got moved to
0: full-time uh, closes at my day job. It's difficult to kind of line up yeah. stuff. So, so.
1: so it's a little bit difficult to find a consistent day where we can record, you will but see we're, at we're least... working on it, and we will get episodes out no matter what.
0: Yeah, you'll, you'll see at least two episodes a week minimum, so that's kind of that's kind of where we're going. But yeah. any uh, parting shots here before we get out of here?
1: Happy draft season, boys. It's it's
0: draft season. We're going to crank it into high gear make sure you guys are staying in tune with us. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Josh signing out for Alex. We'll see you guys next one.